Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Thank you very much. He was singing about freedom before, and I thought, yeah, he is free today because he's not going to be standing up here preaching. It's like, oh, nervous. Well, hello, church. <laughs> uh, this is actually my first time to preach ever, so you have to be really, really kind and nice to me. Um, I just thought, oh, my gosh, what shall I say? I've got no idea. But just let's tell you a little bit about me. My name is Mandy, for those of you that don't know me. Actually, I will be taking my glasses on and off because somebody needs to invest in very vocals for me. <laughs> I can't see you, can't see. Um, my name's Mandy, married to Gary. I have three children. Who, Gary? <laughs> I have three children, Shannon Ellis Aaron. Um, I'm going to be a babushka in November, for those of you that know. I mean, Shannon's going to have a baby. Didn't think I was old enough to be called granny or grandma. So I googled grandmother in different languages, and my favorite so far is babushka. They're refusing to call me that, but it's my choice. Um, I was saved back in 1995. Um, I've, I've, I've known of Jesus all my life. We used to go to Sunday school as children, um, but actually really met him in 1995, got saved. Not long after, I went to a Pentecostal conference. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was a cult. I thought they were crazy people, and I just needed to get out. However, the Holy Spirit really, really touched me that weekend, um, and I've never looked back. We were sat around a dinner table one evening, and we were just saying, it was a ladies' conference, by the way, um, what, what do you think... Um, you will be doing in 10 years' time, was, was the question that went around the table. And some wanted to have their own ministries, and some wanted to be retired, some wanted to be married. Got to me, and I said, I want to preach. And it was like, whoa. This is from somebody who, when I was at school, used to play truant when it was my turn to stand at the front of class and read. The, the thought terrified me of standing in front of people. So I know that this is God. He's got me where I am today. Um, and I just feel that, uh, I was praying earlier today, and I just feel that he's birthing something in me now. And I just feel that this is, this is the, the first step of a new adventure for me. Um, so there you go. So they were his words out of my mouth um, 12 years ago. So it's just a little bit longer than 10 years, but that's due to my cowardness and, <laughs> um, and not him. Um, so yeah, so today we are going to look at Genesis 39. So if you want to turn to Genesis 39, and we're just going to read a small bit of scripture. It's one, one verse 1 to, to verse 6, and we're going to look at the story of Joseph um, rather briefly. So Genesis 39, 1-6 says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, bearing in mind he'd, he'd been put in a pit by his brothers, um, he'd been then sold, they were going to kill him, but decided against that, thank goodness, um, and then they sold him to these traders that were, that were going by, and he ended up in Egypt. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer, 
Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh. He was the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of the master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly, his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't need to worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. So the title of the message today is Making a God Impression. So we noticed that Potiphar was really blessed because of Joseph. But when I initially read this text, my question was, what was it about Joseph that made Potiphar notice him? What stood out? There must have been something. You know, he bought him as a slave. There'll have been a lot of slaves there. What was it about Joseph that Potiphar picked up on him? You know, what was it? Did he look different? His attitude? Who knows? Who knows? I remember a couple of years ago being in um, a training course. And as you do in a training course, you rock up. It was in a holiday in room. And there's, so you've got your little tables and chairs and you file in with your cup of coffee and your little pastry and you sit and you wait for the room to fill up. And I love people watching, absolutely love it. So I sit myself at the back, always the back, out of the way so nobody can see me, I can hide behind people and watch the room filling up and just people milling and what have you. And I remember seeing this woman that was sat at the opposite side of the room to me and I looked at her and I knew immediately that she was a Christian. And you're going to think, how on earth did you know? I have never seen a woman with such a serene, peaceful look on her face. She looked like she just oozed peace and she oozed the love of Jesus. And I made it my quest to find out later on. So lunchtime came and just kind of coffee, dinner, went over, had a little chat with her. And I said, hi, I'm Mandy. She went, oh, hello. <laughs> I said, I hope you don't mind me asking, are you a Christian? And she went, yes, I am. How did you know? And I said, you just look like one. She went, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, it's your face. I have never seen such a peaceful, serene, calm look on anybody. She said, I do love Jesus. I said, you can tell. You can tell. Honestly, it was amazing. My question, do we look like that? Do we have that calm, serene, peaceful look on our faces? Not me. (laughs) I'll tell you, in a training course, I am pretty much nodding off all the time. But maybe Joseph had that look about him. Maybe he had something about him that made Potiphar notice. Um, But he'll have also had a good attitude, which is what we as Christians need to be looking at. 
we need to look at our attitude. Joseph went through his pits, as we all do. Um, he, went, he was probably bullied as a child because he was the favorite. And he had a lot of older brothers who probably would have picked on him. He got thrown into a pit, <laughs> literally, by his brothers. Um, but we all have pits. We've all either been in a pit, we're in a pit, or we're going to be in a pit. It, it's a fact. It's, it's just life. They happen. Pits happen, and there's nothing we can do. But it's our attitude when we're in the pits that matters. So there's a lot. I've just listed a couple of pits here that I've been in, um, and I'm sure that you can all relate to them. I've been in the money pit, the relationship pit, been there. The job pit, I've been there too. The health pit, I'm literally just coming out of that. <laughs> and the children pit, I'll be in that one for the rest of my life. <laughs> telling you. Um, what matters is our attitude while we're in our pits. Do we let every man and his dog know that we're in a pit? Do we want the whole world to know how rubbish our pit is? Or do we just quietly trust the Lord has got it? He's taking us through it for a reason. We're growing, we're maturing while we're in our pit. And then one day when we actually climb out of the pit or are lifted out of the pit, we're going to see exactly what we were doing there. said, if we allow life to simply revolve around us, it's all about me and my pit, and you've no idea what it's like in my pit, we're not going to grow, we're not going to mature, and we're not going to expand our territory. But also in the pit, there will be no joy. There will be no peace and there'll be no freedom. In John 16, 33, Jesus tells us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Here on earth, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's no good being miserable in your pit. And then go in and say to people, I go to church. Jesus is amazing. He does so much for me. And then walking about with a face like sour lemons. It's like Steve said last week, you have to have joy on your journey. Yeah. If you don't have joy, we're just like everybody else. We've been given that freedom. Jesus did not get battered and spit on and tortured for us to sit in a pit and be miserable didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I was, um, see, negative, negativity really, really frustrates me because I'm, I'm quite bubbly, like to have a laugh here and there, but negative people really do great on me. I'm sorry if you're a negative person. <laughs> I remember walking into a supermarket once and got my basket off a trolley 
And I saw the most negative person I've ever met in my life just there. So I kind of turned around, walked out, put my basket back, and I thought, I'm going to come back later. You know, and it's like, I'm walking out thinking, Mandy, that's so bad. That is really not a Christian at all. But I thought, I just don't want to be there. I just don't want to listen to the, woe is me. It's all about me and my family and my life. And it's like, no, and this person's a Christian, let me tell you. You know, it's no, it's no good. It's no good. We need to have the joy of Jesus in our lives. We do. Our attitude belongs to us. Our behavior belongs to us. We choose our attitude. We choose our behavior. When Gary is doing a tour of the supermarket car park and parking at the back end when the door is right the way up here and I know I've got a trolley full of shopping to get back to the car, I can choose my behavior and attitude. And I am getting better. I am getting better. Let me tell you. You know, it's like as soon as we open the door to negativity, the enemy is in there. He makes no qualms about it. He will get in there and he will wreak whatever havoc he can. Joyce Mayer says, the devil is no longer looking for an open door in your life. He will take any crack you give him. If we get a bad attitude, he's in there. And that's a fact. Point one, our behavior affects God's presence. Earlier we read in Genesis 39, two to three, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. When people look at us, do they know that the Lord is with us? And another important question, are you with the Lord? It says the Lord was with Joseph. And we know that Joseph was with the Lord because he prospered in everything he did. But are we with the Lord? Our relationship with God directly affects our relationship with people. If we truly love God, we must truly love people because that's what we're instructed to do. He tells us, Jesus tells us in John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I remember being at Spring Harvest, this conference, it was up in Skegness, and was it Graham Kendrick sang that song, Love Each Other As I Have Loved You? Sure it was. But I remember listening to this song and I just, it broke my heart. I really, really got it. We have to love each other. Jesus humbled himself. He washed his disciples' feet. Do we humble ourselves enough with other people? You know, do we kind of get down there in the dirt where they are? Do we meet them where they are? Or do we expect people to come to us where we are? Are we just like a middle class place? Or actually, are we going to go out and are we going to shine the light of Jesus? The love spoken about in the Bible is agape love. And that is a sacrificial love. We need to sacrifice. 
You know, Jesus sacrificed. He sacrificed his life. We have to sacrifice. It's about how we speak to people. It's about how we treat people. It's about what we do for people. It's not a feeling, because I used to think, how can I love everybody? You know, it's like, you can't love everybody. But that's what it tells us in the Bible. Yeah, but I just don't feel that. And it's like, it's not that warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you're first going on a date with somebody new. Mm -mm. It would be pretty cool if it was, to be fair, but it's not. It's just, it's an action. It's an action, it's an action, it's an action. Came across this quote. It says, live and speak in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will get to know God because they know you. I'm going to go to Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. And we're told, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 30 in God's Word translation says, don't give God's Holy Spirit any reason to be upset with you. Just leave that there just for a second. Don't give God's Holy Spirit any reason to be upset with you. Are we bringing sorrow or are we pleasing God with our actions and attitudes? Paul warns us about unwholesome talk and our behavior towards others. But the thing is, it's so easy to slip into worldly ways when you're tired, when you're hungry, hangry. It's a word. When you're tired and you're hungry, it's a word apparently is hangry. Did you know? It's in the dictionary, I'm told. I don't know if that's true or not, but there you go. <laughs> bad days happen. We're going to get bad days. How are we treating the people in our lives, though, when we're on a bad day? Do we love them like we're instructed to? <laughs> Gary would probably disagree. <laughs> or do we cherry-pick the scriptures? No, we can all cherry pick. What we need to remember is the Holy Spirit hears every single word we utter. He's in every single conversation. So when we're talking unkindly to our spouse, or when we're having a screaming match with the children, which is very frequent in my house, he hears it all. But sometimes he will actually walk out of the room because we've aggrieved him. And it doesn't sit well with him. So the next time you want to have a go at somebody, just think about what you're going to do. Think about the words that are going to come out of your mouth. Is the Holy Spirit going to be pleased? Is he going to be on the sidelines going, yeah, come on, it's a fantastic job you're doing? <laughs> Don't think so. doesn't sit well with him. <laughs> Point two is our behavior affects people. So we read earlier in Genesis 4, this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant and put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. 
Potiphar obviously watched Joseph because you're not going to just give somebody a job who you've got no clue about. He was watching him. He was watching how he worked. He was watching his attitude, his behaviors. What we need to know is that people watch us. As Christians, we are watched. (laughs) We're watched in work. We're watched in social settings, down a pub, in a party, in a coffee shop. We're even watched in church. We're even watched in church. I heard this the other day. Having a bad attitude is like having a flat tire. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) That was really good. The Bible also tells us in Colossians 3.23... Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. I really have to take that scripture in work. I really do have to. It's, it's tough. Um, work hard and conscientiously in your job because God's put you there for a reason. And I used to say, God, you have got it so wrong. I really, this, this is not the right place for me. This is not the right job. It's not the right area. These are not the right people. You've got it wrong. And he's in heaven going, now then, Mandy. No, I've got it absolutely right. Because he gets everything right. Doesn't get anything wrong at all. We do. We get it really wrong, but he doesn't. You know, there's somebody in your workplace that is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And they're going to need a touch from heaven. And you are going to be that touch. They need to be encouraged. They need to be inspired. They need to have a positive influence in their life. They need to know about a God that loves them. A God that died for them. And a God that's coming back for them. We, as you know, went to Iraq recently. Um, I've got a couple of Iraq stories. <laughs> so you're going to need to shut me up if I start chunnering on because we had such an amazing time. Um, but we, your attitude towards people and how, how they perceive you is really, really important as well. And we had been... Um, We'd been on the Sunday, on the Sunday day, we'd been, we'd been into the village, we'd been speaking to loads of people, um, sharing, we'd given sweets to the children. Got to say, that really wasn't the best idea in the world. These children with beautiful teeth, and we're giving them sugar. (laughs) Just like, oh, what are we doing? But we, so we'd, we'd been, we'd been, it was Sunday evening, um, we'd got back on the bus to come home, and all the children are saying, you're coming tomorrow, you're coming tomorrow, and we're going, yeah, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow, it's our last day tomorrow, we're absolutely going to be here, we're going to see you tomorrow, we're going to spend the day, it's fantastic. So off we went, trundle back to the hotel, we get back to the hotel, and we find out, oh, no, you're not going tomorrow. They were like, What? You're not going tomorrow. We're going to go to the tomb of Nahum. Okay. The tomb of Nahum, by the way, has no bones in it. I'm just saying. The bones are in a church down the road. <laughs> You've got people praying over this tomb, and it's like, there's no bones in it. They're in a church down the road. 
Okay. We were absolutely devastated. We thought, we cannot not go back. We've told these children that we're coming back. We don't, you know, I don't care about the tomb of Nahum. <laughs> He's got no bones in it. I want to go back and see the children. We've promised them that we're going back. What on earth will they think if we don't go back? Oh, you know, they don't care. They, you know, they just come. They've done what they needed to do. And, and then they've gone home. They've not even come back to say goodbye. We were like, Emma was having a little breakdown. <laughs> We've got to go back. He's like, yeah, we do have to go back. So we spoke to the powers that be. <laughs> we need to go back. So they said, you know, after much deliberation, we said, well, we need to go back. And they said, well, we'll just get a taxi and go back. We did go back the following day, which was amazing because we taught them the hokey-cokey in the desert. We had a bit of a party. And they'll never forget that, will they? And we will never forget that because it was such an amazing time. They knew that was the last time they were going to see us this year. And they were really grateful. And we were really, really blessed as well by that. It was, it was an incredible time. But what if we'd not gone back? You know... It just doesn't even bear thinking about. We're told in Colossians 4, 4, 5, live wisely among those who are not believers. You know, I mean, we're going telling these people about Jesus. They're not believers. What are they going to think of us? Christians? They just don't even keep the promises. Promised to come back and they didn't come back. Who is this Jesus? Clearly not important. You know? Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. We need to look for opportunities to make a difference. We need to be the one that can ease someone else's burden. What can we do? Can we go and visit somebody that can't get out of the house and have a cup of tea with them? People are in prisons in their own homes because they can't get out and they won't see a single soul all week. Is it that big of a deal just to give up an hour of your time to go and have a cup of tea with somebody? I used to work in domiciliary care, which is going out to homes of elderly people and supporting them in their own homes. And I used to have the best time. These older people have got some absolutely amazing stories. Amazing stories. Wisdom, wisdom beyond years, you know, it's amazing just to sit and listen to somebody and it gives them such, oh my goodness, I can talk to somebody, not the wall, you know, they love it, they're so grateful and, and you will learn from them, you will learn from them without a doubt. Can you babysit for a single parent who's got no money, never gets a break, needs to be out, just wants to go out? Can we just go and, you know, spend an evening with the kids and not charge them any money? You know? That, for me, was massive. When I still lived in Preston, I was a single parent with the three children. And somebody to come to me to say, do you know what, Mandy? You go out, just go out for an hour and have a cup of tea somewhere and I'll look after the kids was such a blessing. Such a blessing. In fact, when I first started to go back to church... They even came and did the Alpha course in my house because <laughs> I couldn't get out. So they came and I opened the house up and there was a few other people came. But it was just, it was a great time of fellowship and it was a great time of learning about the love of Jesus through other people's actions. 
It was. We can do all sorts of things for people. If somebody's had, you know, somebody that's on benefits have had the benefits sanctioned, can we go and take them a little bit of shopping? Can we go and take them out for lunch? Can we do something for somebody? There's always, always, always going to be somebody worse off than you. And even if you have no money, you can still go around and spend a bit of time. You can still go around and babysit for them. You can give your time up. There's always somebody worse off than you. We never, never forget that. Because while some of us are in pits, you know, and I'm not saying we don't go in pits. We do get in pits. Absolutely, we get in pits. But again, our attitude while we're in that pit, is it woe is me or is actually Jesus doing something amazing? And I'm going to see this in a few months, a few years' time. You know, we had just an amazing privilege. Um, can we put the photographs of Iraq up? Of the, have they? these ones actually do you know what i found out we were told we weren't told before we went to iraq um, about the yazidi people who we went to see not wearing blue and we were told that they didn't wear blue because um the, the i don't know had a war or something with people that wore blue and i was reading yesterday the reason they don't wear blue is because it's classed as an extremely holy color. And they don't feel worthy to wear it. So that's the reason why they don't wear blue. But we took clothes in blue bags. <laughs> blue clothes in blue bags because we weren't told. So it wasn't the best kind of start. However, all the Christians that lived in the village were able to wear the blue. And we did have other colors as well. So that was amazing. But the blessings that the children and the adults got and the blessings that we got were incredible. We were able to give clothes, sweets, the coloring masks that they have. They absolutely adored them. And they all, you know, we literally had a, a line of people with, um, with coloring masks on. The little boy you see there with the coloring mask, he literally, when he got his bag of clothes, went and got changed and then said, come photo, photo. <laughs> Wanted a photo. He's incredible. Lovely little boy. And there's Bev on the wall with some, and Emma giving lollipops to some. It was an amazing blessing for us. It really, really was. And it was amazing for you guys to be able to bless them, because it was you that blessed them with your, with your giving, with how generous you were with your giving. So, so well done, all of you. It was, it, was, it was you guys that did that. Um, remember, we're, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Mm. there's a couple of scriptures there there's proverbs 11:25 that tells us whoever brings a blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered and philippians 2 3 to 4 tells us do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interests but to the interests of others. And point three is our behavior affects places. So Genesis 40, I'm skipping forward here a little bit. Genesis 40, five to seven tells us <laughs> Joseph's in another pit. He's in prison at this time. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. 
Even when Joseph was in a pit, in prison, and I can't imagine them prisons those days would have been very nice at all, he showed concerns for how other people were feeling. In his darkest days, his attitude was about other people. How are you? What's wrong? Why do you look worried today? Is there anything I can do for you? He didn't wallow in self-pity. And he didn't allow the environment that he was in to have a negative effect on him. So even though some people are thinking, I hate my job, I hate my boss, don't let it affect you. Have a positive influence in that place. When we're in a pit, do we notice other people? Do we even notice anything about other people? Do we notice, are they worried? Are they having a bad day? Is there anything I can do? Do we avoid them? Because the last thing we want to be doing while we were in our pit is dealing with somebody else's pit as well. You know, it's like me walking out the supermarket. You know, I should have gone, all right, fancy a brew? <laughs> you know, I just smiled and tried to be positive yet again. Um, I, I started a job, a new job, um, years ago. I, I used to work at a rehab. I've had a lot of jobs. Most in healthcare, I tend to be quite good with people. Um, this job was in a rehab unit. The old job was in a rehab unit um, where people came in for assessments or if they'd had um, some medical procedure and they weren't quite ready to go home. So they would come to us short, for a short period of time so we could build them up, get them ready to go home. And then I moved, and we had lots of people and they were only in for six to 12 weeks. So there was, there was a good turnover of people. And then I moved jobs and I went into a different type of rehab unit. I went into one for people that have Alzheimer's or the early onset of Alzheimer's or dementia. And I was in um, the office this one particular day. And again, it was the same kind of um, deal where they, you know, they were there six to 12 weeks for assessment and then they would go home with the care package. And we would people coming in regularly, turnover was quite good. And um, one day I was in the office with a couple of the other staff and one of the support workers came in and she said, uh, Mandy, there's a woman that's turned up and she asked me if that was Mandy. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She said, she heard you laughing and recognized it <laughs> and asked if it was you. I was like, oh my goodness. So I went in and there, lo and behold, was Ellen who was a lady that had been in the previous rehab unit that I worked in and was now in this rehab unit. And I was like, my goodness, she's actually got the onset of Alzheimer's and even still recognises this laugh. <laughs> and I was like, how amazing is that? I am pleased. That, I mean, I used to be quite embarrassed about my laugh because it's loud and lurry. I mean, your face, you can hear me coming down the street. But actually, to re be remembered for my laugh, it is really, I'm really, really pleased with that. I'm really pleased that somebody remembers me for my laugh. Not they don't know who I, you know, my name, what I do. It's just like, well, that's that northerner with that weird laugh. That's me. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> don't get me going. 
Oh, my God. But we do all have bad days. We do all have bad days. When I'm having a bad day in work, now, I, t I mean, I've got an office, and in my office is a little toilet. And I'll, and I'll go in the toilet, actually, if I'm having a really bad day, people come and go, this rotor doesn't work, this rotor's rubbish, this is happening, that's happening, it's like, It'll just be a minute. <laughs> and I go, I shut myself in the loo. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. You know what I do, spend five minutes in the toilet. He refreshes me. You know, he restores my faith in human nature. <laughs> And I go back out and I'll say, give me the rotor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We're born, <laughs> we are born, probably all of us was born in the 1900s, apart from maybe this little one here and this one that's about to be born. Um, but we are born in this time, in this place, for a reason. God has got a plan for us in this time and in this place. That is why we're here. So where you are placed at the minute is because God's plan was to put you there. So you need to now try and work out, good luck with that, why you're there. <laughs> we are his ambassadors. It tells us in the Bible, we are his ambassadors on the earth. We have to go into all nations, but we also have to go into all workplaces and all situations reflecting the radiance of God. C.S. Lewis, I'm just going to finish with this now. C.S. Lewis says, when we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. We cannot afford to make Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. We have to let people know what an amazing God we have. What a faithful God we have. What a loving God we have. We have to make sure, as a Christian, we reflect the radiance of our God. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.